Superhero fatigue is a myth, and I'm going to tell you why. A lot of people will say, you know what, I'm tired of seeing all these superhero movies. Oh, this is another blah, blah, blah movie. I'm not into that anymore. It's tired. It's done. It's over. You hear this from fans. You hear this from creators. You hear this from people in the news. And honestly, it's not really true. I'm going to get into why in, in depth in a minute, but it's something that's been on my mind and something that people keep repeating over and over and over again. It's almost like they want it to die or they want a news story of superhero movies dying. That's a complete myth. And it's not the story's fault. It's the creator's fault for the most part. And a lot of fans, you know, they really don't know a lot of what goes into these things. So are, are they tired of it? They're tired of what Hollywood is giving them. And that's the ultimate answer. And I'll get back to that later. But here we are today, Mr. Binge's ADD experience. That's what we're going to get into. We're going to talk about it for a little bit, break it down. Uh, for those of you here live, I am starting a bit late today and sorry about that. But I had a little bit of a headache, um, changed my, my eating a little bit, changed my workout a little bit, gave me a little bit of a headache, threw me off for a second. So I had to take a nap. Now I'm back in the game a little later than I normally would be. But that's how creativity goes. As you're creating new things, you're building, you're updating, you're rearranging, moving things around, adding, subtracting, multiplying, dividing, et cetera, to get to your next level. And some things change a little bit along the way. So apologies for showing up a little late, but I'm here now and get used to it because that's how creation is. It continually changes, grows, evolves while maintaining core principles. So just to start, um, just do a little housekeeping. Uh, I want to thank everybody for checking out the email list, for checking out the YouTube page. These podcasts are going to be archived here when I'm doing them live. They will go to my YouTube page, which is now my primary podcast area. And they will also go to my podcast streams on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen. I actually would recommend listening that way. It's much easier to get the newest episodes. You kind of sit down, listen to the ones you like, delete the ones you aren't terribly interested in, and you just get to go through all the episodes sequentially one by one. Uh, there are some ads on there, but I'm working on a, a way to get rid of those and, and have a different experience for you that way as well. But that'll all come in time. For the moment, we're going to keep banging these out uh, pretty much every weeknight. And we'll, we'll pretty much keep on doing this thing as we're doing it right now. But I want to get into this concept of superhero fatigue. So let's not waste too much time and let's go ahead and do that. So my premise is that Superhero fatigue is more or less a talking point from a couple different areas. But most importantly, it's that I don't really believe people have superhero fatigue as much as the Hollywood system has failed the audience. And the audience is very important to keep in mind because in all these discussions, I think that the audience has taken a backseat to everything else that people want to do with with movies, with these comic characters, with comic books, with these industries. And this doesn't just apply to superheroes, but we're going to confine the discussion to superheroes, the MCU, Marvel Cinematic Universe, the DCEU, etc. But for the most part, I think you'll get what I'm talking about when I say the MCU and superheroes. So 
we can extend it from there later. And as always, if you have comments, questions, send them to me, mail them to me, post them up, and we'll get to discuss. But so when people say there's this uh, superhero fatigue, you got to understand a lot of that's coming from from people having an itch to try something new, to get a quick return, to get some bang for their buck. And they don't actually worry about creating a new product or something good and solid for the consumer. So to understand what we're talking about here, I want to go back to the creation of the hero story, not by the original creation, not the creation of the Marvel Cinematic Universe necessarily, but a superhero story has a certain style. So I wanted to go ahead and represent what a classic superhero story typically is and what it typically comprises of. And I was trying to find my my own example and, and define one, but I decided to go with the hero archetype, everything you need to know, an article written by dabblewriter.com. So I've made slight edits to what they have, but you can go check out their description there. I think it's pretty decent, but it basically has these several points. The hero archetype. One, you have a hero with extraordinary abilities. Doesn't necessarily have to be powers, but that's one of the hallmark trademarks of a superhero is that there's some extraordinary power. There's a reason for that in terms of expressing a certain type of emotion and relation to a character and a unique, a uniqueness of humans that is expressed through a super super ability or superpower. But the number one thing is you have a hero with extraordinary abilities. And by hero, I just basically mean protagonist that's going to go take care of something or do something. And no, we're not really going to get into hero's journey this time as much as I like talking about it. Number two, you have an origin story that explains those abilities. Without the context of the hero's origin story, you really don't have that much of a hero. You just have stuff happening. So there's got to be an origin story that goes along with it. After the origin story is told, you can retell that origin story in different ways to get sequels. But a lot of developers and creators don't know how to get past that original origin story to expand on the character. So you tend to start running in cycles again, which adds to the problem. But we we'll, might get into that a little more later. Number three, you don't have you have a, a compelling motivation or mission that drives them. So along with the extraordinary abilities and the origin story, there's a certain compelling motivation or mission that goes along with this hero. This hero has the need to accomplish something. They have a mission in life. They have something that they need to take care of. And as I said, once again, this is highly tied into the origin story. And this is why you tend to have problems making sequels or extending the brand. Because the compelling motivation is usually tied into the origin story. But that's number four. We'll get into that maybe a little later. Uh, that's number three. I'm sorry. We'll get into that a little bit later. And number four, you have a moral code. A hero in these stories, in these superhero stories, represents something. They represent some kind of vibe, some kind of, some kind of focus, a direction. They have a moral code. And when you can attach yourself to that moral code, you've attached yourself to that character. Most, if not all, superheroes should have some type of code that they work by, that they live by, that represents what they're about. 
And if you can't define that, then you're starting to get away from what a superhero story is and you're starting to go down some other path. And as I said, these aren't hard and defined rules. There's obviously a lot of stories that have these things and a lot of stories that don't. You can still kind of understand what we're talking about here. Number five, they may or may not have a secret identity. And this goes kind of along with the moral code. And one might want to call it a hallmark of, of being a hero, but the ones that have a secret identity, that's definitely a part of their superhero nature where they can only express themselves when they're under the guise of a superhero and they have to hide their, their superhero abilities and the things they do from their normal life or their normal cause, or if they're out in the open with their superhero abilities, then that that becomes their their thing. It's the superhero is their outward expression, and they have to live with that. So both of these are tied into their abilities and how the character deals with them. So I know it's weird to have something that, you know, I may or may not have a secret identity. It's it's weird because isn't that everybody? I may or may not have a secret identity. Well, it has a certain twist when you're looking at it from the hero perspective or the superhero perspective. And number six, and maybe the most important, that superhero uses their skill to battle a powerful foe for a righteous purpose. There are two parts of that, powerful foe and a righteous purpose. So they have their superhero ability that we discussed earlier, and they need to use that skill to battle a powerful foe for a righteous purpose. Now, the powerful foe is a reflection of what they need to overcome. And the righteous purpose is what they internally feel they need to do. So these are these are two concepts that are yin and yang of each other, kind of wrapped in together, the powerful foe and the righteous purpose. By defeating the powerful foe, they exercise their righteous purpose. By exercising their righteous purpose, they should defeat the powerful foe. The powerful foe does not necessarily have to be a categorized canonized villain, personified villain, it may be more of a concept, like, you know, a meteor's coming to strike the earth. That's not necessarily a quote unquote villain, but it may represent that concept, right? Or it may just be jealousy or something else. And you wrap that into some type of, some type of edification in the comic book world where there's a powerful foe. So by foe, I don't necessarily mean a villain, but that's often the case. And the righteous purpose is not just save the world because that's a that's a goal that you look at from the outside. The righteous purpose is something that attaches to that hero's moral code, their compelling motivation and mission, their origin story, their abilities, their secret identity or lack thereof. That's the righteous purpose. It's this reasoning that they have to get through all of this, to get through all the trials, tribulations, struggles, fights, and battles that they're going to go on, you need to have that righteous purpose. So the most important, well, one of probably the most important one is this last, last point here, to use their skill to battle a powerful foe for a righteous purpose. So that is the classic superhero story and what it typically comprises. I may actually go into more of these later at some point because this topic actually seems kind of juicy. But now you can start to understand what a superhero is a little more through that, through that definition and that explanation. 
All right, so back to the righteous purpose a little bit. You know, you have characters that say, I need to do blank with my abilities to overcome some personal situation. And this is where a lot of a lot of systems of superhero development start to lose it. They they come with a lot of fluff, right? Now, a superhero has to have a cape. They have to have some weird ability that's unique to that person for some reason. They have to have some crazy color scheme. They have to have a mask. They have to have all these external superficial things. And those are just markers. They really don't tell you what a superhero is. Those are markers. And when, when I say markers, I mean, these are things that you check off a list or when you look at it very quickly, you can tell, oh yes, that's a marker of a superhero. That's what superheroes wear. That's what superheroes do. That's how they talk, et cetera, et cetera. But that's part of the superficial part of it. Superficial part of being a superhero, right? Um, but that righteous purpose can come through a lot of different forms. And this is the thing that a lot of people miss. So Superman has a righteous purpose, right? He has this this need, and I'm not going to try to define all the angles of Superman, but an alien has come down from Krypton. His entire race has died. Now he must live with this inferior race and take them in as his own, take them in as his family, actually humble himself to the abilities of a human and have to live amongst humans when he is the most powerful being in the solar system and probably many other systems. But he's got to humble himself and live with a, a human nature when he's got superhuman abilities. So within that, you develop a righteous purpose within whatever story you're telling, whether it's just to make people feel safe, whether it's to, to stop corruption from happening in a world that you really can't control. Like, I mean, how much control does Superman have over the corporate, corporate world and the rules of humans? This is a, an actual problem for somebody with superpowers. It's like, yeah, you're making yourself humble. You're, you're lowering yourself to deal with humans. How do you deal with the system of laws? How, how, how do you deal with political affairs? You've got the power, yes, but you still got to be a human. And that's his righteous purpose. That's his struggle. The Punisher, well, he's got all these internal battles that, that he has to face, right? Family kill, PTSD, doesn't have any necessarily special abilities per se, but it starts to become superhuman in the world of the Punisher, where it's just obscenely surreal, where you're going past the normal bounds of what you would see in a normal human story, uh, what you'd see in your normal war story. It becomes a superhuman level. So you're taking it and you're going past the superlative even, where it's not even possible. But because it's a superhero concept, you say, okay, sure. I understand this. It's a superhero concept. It goes above and beyond. It's super. It's above. It's beyond what's, what's normal. And that's okay for superheroes. And that's part of the story. It's not just to be weird and fantastical. It's to express a certain human uniqueness, speciality, 
And it's to also tickle the imagination where you're going like, man, I could do this. I have these abilities. I can go farther. I can do better. Guardians of the Galaxy. That's another one that doesn't fit the normal superhero mold. It's got this weird otherworldly oddball space character sci-fi kind of vibe to it and nevertheless it's held together by you know a human emotion to have out misfits outsiders come together and work on their problems or work on an issue and that's the guardians of the galaxy they've got their own righteous purpose you know staying together as a family and having misfits that shouldn't be able to change things have an effect on the entire galaxy to the guardians of the galaxy. It's a weird concept, right? These guys shouldn't be as successful as they are. They're misfits and outcasts, but they've got a righteous purpose to guard the galaxy from a bunch of nonsense. And they don't even do it within the bounds of the law. They're, they're bandits to a degree. And you know, something more traditional, I guess you can even go outside of the MCU and look at a group like the Incredibles from Pixar. The Incredibles, by the way, is the best Fantastic Four movie that was never made as a Fantastic Four movie. And what is the righteous purpose there? To keep the family together. And you get to see that amazingly from all different sides of the family, where you have the mother, the father, the the two kids, and I'll leave the baby out of this one. Um, but you have all these different forces, and they're, they're righteous purpose is to be an incredible family. And it, it's very well done in terms of telling a superhero story. Now, the reason I went through all that is because that is the core of the superhero ideology. That is the core of the superhero archetype. And then people will start to throw on these superficialities and it hope they're going to extend it somehow. And this is where the fatigue starts to step in because the fatigue comes from two places. The, and it's, it's, it's Hollywood. Yes. But it comes from the business side and the show side of it. Shout out to show versus business. My other podcast, we talk about superhero fatigue in one of our episodes and we went over a lot of the numbers and business details of it. That's a whole different style of podcast than this, but we're checking out if you have the time and you want to go in more into this topic. But let's start with the let's start with the Hollywood side. So how does Hollywood become tired of something? Well, basically, Hollywood doesn't give a crap about the superhero. They don't give a crap about sci-fi. They don't give a crap about a lot of things. The Hollywood business side just wants to put something out and make money at, at its worst and, I, you know, there's a lot of good to it, sure, whatever. But at its worst, they're just out to make a buck. And it's funny because they do this in two ways. They want to keep providing you with something new, but they want to do it cheaply and inexpensively. So they do it by repeating all these tropes. And this is how people get burned out and they get tired of it. It's like... It's like if you look at the, the, the current slate, they're like, oh... Well, we have Superman. Oh, he's awesome. Yeah. Now we're going to have, you know, Superman and he's going to die. And then we're going to have Superman's girlfriend. And then we're going to have Supergirl. Then we're going to have, 
you know, Wonder Woman. She's kind of like Superman, but she's got a lasso. We're going to have, and this is how the stories have gone over time, where Hollywood continues to try to rehash, retell the same thing, make it new. It's like, but And Hollywood does it even worse. They don't even change the story that much. They change the they change the the actors. They change the directors. They're like, oh, now this Superman, he, he's slightly different. It's a darker Superman. Okay, well, this Superman is more lighthearted and funny. It's ha-ha. Okay, well, we have this other villain that we're going to bring from the comics. And it's just this 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 grinding machine that just throws in concepts. Like you have a good core concept, but they don't give a crap about that in the business end. They're just like, let me sell my tickets. Let me, let me, you know, build this story with Nick Cage. Okay, Nick Cage wants to do a Superman now. Let's put millions of dollars behind this movie that's never going to come out with Nick Cage. And you never really start getting to the core of the story. And you have this rehash. And you're like, why are you rehashing the same story again? Because the, the business side of Hollywood has no originality. It has no ideas of its own. It's just kind of this machine. And yes, I do have issues with it. It tends to take good things, ruin them, and spit them out, and then try to move on to the next thing very quickly. It's how you end up with, and by Hollywood, I'm saying the whole Hollywood machine, right? It's how you end up with the toy industry, the way they play into it. So on one hand, they want to keep the brand of something like a Batman, right? Where, or Spider-Man. Spider-Man is another good example. Where they want to keep the brand solid. So they use the same character over and over again because people recognize Spider-Man. They understand him. They're like, hey, let's use Spider-Man. But then, hey, what about having a spider car? You may have seen this if you walk down the toy aisle, the spider car, and then the spider copter, and then, you know, the spider boat. And then after you run across those three, they're like, oh, crap, well, what do we do? Well, we'll have winter Spider-Man and put Spider-Man in a coat. Well, we'll have, we'll have underground Spider-Man and, you know, put him in this outfit that can that has little claws for hand oh well, what about and it just keeps getting cornier and cornier but this is how the machine works the hollywood business types have all the money and they're not going to fund you unless they think they can make a toy they can get people in not i don't want to say interested they can get people they can get people's attention easily by doing all of these silly little tricks and that's the superficiality from the hollywood side you probably already get that you probably already understand it and that is very easy to get fatigued from. That is very easy to get tired of. On the other side, you have these Hollywood creative types that don't really like heroes at all. They don't really respect what the core of that hero archetype I mentioned is. Very early on, you will find people saying, yeah, but that's boring. And you can find people like Scorsese. You can find people like, there was just an article about uh, Pew, her her friends were were telling her now that she's done a Hollywood movie, she's basically never coming back to indie movies. She's kind of sold out. And, you know, you can find these stories over and over again where someone's someone's gone, quote unquote, gone Hollywood, and they weren't able to tell a good story after that. And this really happens in the hero circles because a lot of these, and we'll, oh, what was his name? Um. Not not Gutenberg, um, Jeff Goldblum, where he, you know, they said, hey, you know, do, are you a fan of DC or Marvel? And that was an interesting question because comic book fans have talked about DC or Marvel for a long time and they have different 
variations on the hero archetype and they have different vibes, different attitudes and personalities coming out of their houses. And he gave this very disgusted face, like, aren't they the same thing? And that was kind of a, that kind of thinking, that kind of vibe is where you get the creative side of Hollywood poo-pooing on these superhero stories where they're just like, okay, superheroes and capes are boring. Okay. We don't want to see these capes anymore. These stupid costumes. Okay. We're going to have an explosions and they get very, they have a lot of eye rolls towards the comic arts. And it's very unfortunate because I grew up in an art community. My dad, my father was an artist. My mother was a, you know, doctoral professor of voice. I was around a lot of creative people and I really enjoyed comic books. And when I would bring my comic books to these people, I would get, you know, the snickers, the jeers, the, eh, okay, sure, you'll grow out of that, whatever. They're a lower form of artistic ability. And you try to explain it to them and they're like, dude, it's people wearing spandex and underwear. And I'm saying that's the Hollywood side of it. That's the superficiality of it. Please don't confuse that with the actual stories that are going on. Fell on deaf ears. Because a lot of these creative types don't give a crap about the core hero archetype either. So you start to get into very quickly. They start to get bored. The creative side of Hollywood starts to get bored of what they perceive to be a worn out trope, a a tired meme, an idea that's gone past its life, lifespan. And this is what creators do. They, they're always coming up with something new and exciting and interesting. And hey, what about if we did this? Or hey, how about this? Or how about we tell this story? And that's fine. That, that's what they're supposed to do. But the problem with that is, and this is the same for the business side of it, as well as the show side of it, neither of them are really considering what the user, what the end user, the viewer, the audience member is getting from all of this. And it's hard to imagine these franchises going on without either doing what the Hollywood side prefers, I mean, the business side of Hollywood prefers, or the creative side. And you start to get in a lot of superficial things, such as shock value. What if we, you know, the questions that start to arise in these, these creative rooms, you know, what if Superman was a evil killing thing, evil killing machine, and you end up with something like Brightburn. What if Superman had a family and you end up with something that doesn't last a season known as Jupiter's legacy? Well, what if superhero, what if everybody was a superhero and you end up with something else? And it's a lot of these, wouldn't it be cool if scenarios. And when I was a lead designer for Rockstar Games, I actually wrote on one of the whiteboards, you know, I had a big crossed out symbol, the international no symbol. And within it, it was, wouldn't it be cool if, so I had, wouldn't it be cool if surrounded by a circle and slashed out. I didn't want anyone coming up to me with what we call WIBKEY. Wouldn't it be cool if, and I should do a whole podcast on WIBKEY, but that became the core of what people thought creativity was. Wouldn't it be cool if, and that's not the core. So the idea isn't just to be the business side and make money, get more people in the seats and spend as little as possible and reduce budgets while maximizing profits. No, that's not the goal. 
And the goal also isn't on the creative end where you're sitting there trying to, hey, wouldn't it be cool if, what if we had this? Or why can't Superman, you know, get cancer? And uh, these stories are just being milked and used as props and fodder instead of looking at the core archetype. And I think the core archetype, when you really start to look back at it, it goes back to the audience. How can you attach to the audience and tell a story that gives the person reading or watching or looking or listening to the story hope? Why can't you think about things from a more hero-centric perspective where the idea of this story archetype is to be aspirational where, hey, I have a situation I have extraordinary abilities. I have some special thing in me. I have an origin story. I came from somewhere. I have a compelling motivation to change things. I have a moral code. I may or may not have a secret identity, but I will use all of that and my skills to battle a powerful foe for a righteous purpose. This is what I am going to do as a hero. Now, you may take all of that and say that hero archetype extends beyond superheroes, but it is the thing that makes superhero stories work. And it should not be finagled with. It should not be meddled with too much because once you start to say, hey, how does this evolve? How does this change into something new? You're getting caught in the trap of wouldn't it be cool if or you're getting caught in the trap of how to extend the life of and make profit off of this thing without really reaching into the core of what people are expecting, what they're hoping, what they're feeling in their soul. And the more we try to Instead of going from the outside and the superficial aspects, the shock value, the costume, the settings, you know, hey, let's let's make there was a story about let's make Superman gay. Well, that happened fine and well. That's a, that's the a story. But don't start from there. That may be your jump off point where if you have an idea, but go to the core of that. What are people in this community experiencing? What are people in this community going through? Where is their extraordinary ability? What angle do they have? What's their origin story? And you start to come from a whole different point of view that doesn't necessarily line up with somebody on a whiteboard saying, hey, we can make money off of Black Batman. Or hey, what if we had a character with two heads, right? And each head was, one head was a Republican head, one head was a Democratic head, and he was a superhero, and he was a politician, and you started to just come up with dumb, dumb stuff. I was about to curse, but Instagram has been downplaying cursing, so I'm not going to do that. And YouTube as well. So I'm not, not going to do it. I'm going to stick to my core without cursing, without doing any shock value or anything like that. I'm just going to sit back and think about myself as a hero, how I fit into the hero archetype and try to build stories from the inside out. And that is the harder thing for creators to do. Because once you start building from the inside out, you start having a harder time explaining yourself. People start asking questions like, well, where's your cape? Hey man, my cape may not fit my story. Well, where's your evil supervillain who's twirling his mustache? Hey, listen, that doesn't fit my particular superhero story. Well, wait a minute. You don't have any powers at all. What do you What do you have? Hey, look, man, I'm the Punisher. I can do what I want. I don't need powers. And it's like, well, I think you do need powers. Uh, we're not going to fund this movie. Well, I think you do need powers. We're not going to 
give you a write-up on the new creative blog that we're doing. And we talk about everything creative and we don't think you're doing that. You're not serving our agenda. You're not serving these demographics. You're not, you're not doing the mental masturbation that the creative community wants you to do. So you have these different ideas, these different thoughts, and you really have to get back to the core aspect of these things. What are they about? And I think you really start to lose sight of that and lose your audience when you veer away. And people talk about, well, maybe it's just time for it to go away. Maybe it's time for superheroes to leave. And I don't think that's the case. I think we're far from it. There are many stories that can be told and that aren't being told. People say, well, it's just like the Western. It, that, that's a funny statement because, one, I think the Western really hasn't seen a lot of different variations. It got so, so enamored with this very simple concept of having characters and chaps, the shootout, the, the cowboy hats. You know, a lot was going on during that period, and you can still have a lot of these Westerns go on, but without those hallmarks, people stop seeing it as a Western. In fact, there are many stories that people will watch and creators will tell you, oh, this is nothing but a Western. And it's like, really? So if I would have put a cowboy hat and put him in the Old West, it would have qualified as a proper Western. And they're like, yes. And that's what I'm saying. The superhero idea, the superhero concept can live on and it can have more to do, but we're currently squandering it because of the Hollywood creatives and the Hollywood business types. I put both of them at blame. Because the true creativity is a representation on the inside, not an external showcase and not an external profit engine. I'm not looking to sell toys, extend a franchise, brand a concept, secure a TV deal, or get advertising dollars. Sorry, business types. I'm not trying to necessarily deconstruct anything, have, you know, wine rooms, you know, cigar outing thought pieces on deconstruction or what it really means to be a certain type of character. This is that, this is, these are those creative discussions that, that come from people who will walk into an art gallery and have a five-hour discussion with you and have no intention of buying or telling anybody about your art. They just want to talk to you about stuff. I don't have disdain for those types of people, but that is the wouldn't it be cool if crowd. I don't have disdain for the business type of people, but they tend to go overboard and leave a lot of the core nature behind. And that's my, that's my gripe right now is that I think we're, we're squandering too much too early on. And I understand it's difficult. It's hard. I have been in the belly of the beast and I've looked at this in many different ways for a long time. And it's hard to have these discussions because you end up with difficult ideas, difficult discussions, difficult business rationale. You have difficult creative needs. How do you get somebody excited about something when what you're doing might not be that creative in their eyes? Or how do you get somebody really interested if it's not that financially viable in their eyes? Or on the other hand, 
how do you how do you get someone disinterested if it is going to be profitable just to bang out another sequel that has no soul? Or what if it is going to be profitable just to do something really weird and wouldn't it be cool if just to get people in the seats and it might be a great creative venture that destroys the brand? How do you keep this going on? Because I want these properties to last and live and make an actual mark on society. I think there is something beautiful and something aspirational and something hopeful and something driving about superhero stories that really pushes me to, to think about, ingest, and fight for, that's my own little hero story, I suppose, and fight for this idea of creativity and building a better world. And I think all heroes in the hero archetype do that. And I think that's why I relate to them so much. Because it may seem boring. It may not seem as, as financially viable. But I want to build something that's worthwhile to people in everything that I do. I want to do things that aren't just interesting and cute, and I don't just want to do things that are profitable. Hopefully, building from the inside, I, sh I hope to build more that is solid, is respected, is worthy. And no shade to the people that are thinking, well, hey, you got to make money somehow, or hey, you got to evolve the brand. I know this. I, I know this far too well. But it's hard. And a lot of these answers take the easy way out. I am not a masochistic type of developer, but I do understand that it is difficult to do these things and you have to go looking in the difficult areas to find the true, positive, creative source. That internal thing that bolsters creativity that bolsters the world, that helps us actually advance, not just look like we're advancing. It should be harder to do a sequel. It should be harder to close a chapter and not return to it. It should be harder to break expected trends without selling out of the core concept. It should be harder to revisit an old situation and still make it fresh. It should be harder to resist selling out. And it should be harder to expand into new territory. But we're fatigued. Why? We're fatigued because everybody wants the easy way out. This has been Mr. Benj's ADD experience with the little impromptu video essay of sorts, please subscribe, like, share, and comment. I'll try to clip this up into some bits and see what I can get from it, but let me know what you think. Come back later. Peace. Hey, thanks for joining me on this podcast. You all make everything I do possible, and I really do appreciate it. So even if you've got me on social, please visit mrbenja.com and see what's happening and how deep the rabbit hole goes. All right, I'll see you next time. Peace.